Kathy Mosasana on SAFM. We continue the program this half hour then. We're talking about Human Rights Watch and their world report of 2021. Uh, joining us for this conversation is Dewa Mavinga, who is Human Rights Watch uh, Southern Africa Director. Dewa, good morning. Good morning, Kathy. Thanks for having me on the show. Let's talk about the purpose of this world report 2021. What does it serve to do? Well, uh, the World Report uh, 2021 actually looks at uh, main human rights events and conditions across the globe uh, over the period of 2020, uh, particularly the uh, countries that we monitor as Human Rights Watch, uh, including uh, some 34 countries in Africa and uh, also in Southern Africa, including South Africa, Zimbabwe, Angola, Mozambique, uh, for instance, uh, highlighting uh, key human rights challenges, uh, progress made, and recommendations looking ahead into 2021. Mm. It's interesting that you have identified the U.S. President-elect Joe Biden as being the target for your key message this year. He seems to be the person that you would like to champion some of these issues that have been raised. Why him in particular? Well, um, uh, U.S. President-elect Joe Biden uh, does have uh, a great opportunity of um, pressing the reset button for the U.S. government. Because if you look at uh, the the preceding four years under President Donald Trump, uh, there have been significant uh, human rights challenges and uh, perhaps a dropping of the ball in terms of support uh, for key human rights institutions and uh, a loss of the U.S. voice in terms of uh, placing human rights at the center of the U.S. foreign policy agenda. We saw under uh, President Trump that the U.S. had uh, withdrawn from uh, supporting the U.N. uh, Human Rights Council, for example, uh, and also had moved away from multilateralism and uh, support, including for the uh, World Health Organization at a time when we had uh, the global COVID-19 pandemic. So this is why it's important now for uh, President Biden, when he takes office, uh, to focus deliberately on supporting human rights, speaking out more for human rights, mm. and ensuring that there are resources put to support key human rights institutions globally. Is there evidence, Dewa, to support this notion? And, and it's, it's, it's something that is, that is said quite a lot. Uh, the notion that because Donald Trump has been quite reckless in office, some of the comments that he has made have also been quite reckless, and therefore there are those elsewhere in the world who will think that they can get away with human rights abuses simply because the U.S. Um, is perhaps not saying what it would traditionally have said. Absolutely, and uh, we have seen this also on uh, social media, in the uh, particularly monitoring those uh, uh, pariah states that have been uh, trying to find excuses to justify repression and authoritarianism. We saw this with uh, uh, the uh, authorities, officials in the government of Zimbabwe, for example, or Iran, uh, and um, uh, in Uganda, where there are elections today and there have been you know, significant violence, but the supporters of those regimes uh, increasingly have been saying, uh, uh, look at Trump 
uh, he has not said anything. And in fact, you know, the events um, uh, of uh, the siege on the Capitol Hill in the U.S. and, and, and violence recorded there was seen as a justification to say, you know, Number one, the U.S. has no moral authority uh, to speak on human rights. Number two, it is actually doing the same things, and therefore this is an affirmation, supposedly, uh, of uh, sovereignty, which includes abuses. And this is why there is now need for a reversal of this trend. Uh, And with Joe Biden, there is a possibility now, and we are pressing as Human Rights Watch to say uh, President Biden should seize this opportunity and... um, uh, a pledge and show by action real support for human rights to move away from the trend that they had been established under Trump where rogue regimes had been emboldened to do more in terms of abuses and there had been no um, uh, condemnation that was traditionally from the U.S. Uh, and, and, and therefore it, it actually had become a race to the bottom in terms of abuses. You know, you're bringing me to 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 my next point, Dewa, and that is really around um, having the U.S. as a benchmark, right? And when you talk about people in different countries who are saying, "Well, look at the situation in the U.S., therefore we can do what what we're doing," effectively, many of these regimes have been that way even before Donald Trump came into office. That is very true, but now there was an additional, in a way, excuse, if you like, Kathy. Uh, but not only um, the rhetoric about the U.S. Uh, being more like the rogue states now, but much more importantly, the support, the financial support, because you know a number of the multilateral institutions, like for example the UN, United Nations Human Rights Council, depend on funding from the big. Uh, uh, funders like the U.S. government. So that withdrawal of support and funding has significantly undermined you know, the work of these institutions. And, and, and so we need to, uh, you know, to, to be reversed so that we can see uh, support going into multilateral institutions uh, for global support for human rights and justice in a way uh, that then uh, uh, puts back the trust, the public trust, uh, in these institutions, including the International Criminal Court, we saw that under Trump, uh, you know, there were even you know uh, sanctions on officials of the International Criminal Court. And uh, importantly, we saw that South Africa uh, stood up in defence of the International Criminal Court. So that was actually a, a positive um, uh, from uh, South Africa and other countries, but it was an indictment on the U.S., which it should now be re- reversed under. President Joe Biden. We're in conversation with Dewa Mavinga. He is Human Rights Watch's Southern Africa Director. We're talking about the World Report 2021 and uh, some of the issues that they're calling on U.S. President-elect Joe Biden to take up during his time in office as the incoming American president. I'm back with him after this. Hashtag SFM Talking Point. So the Human Rights Watch is Human Rights Watch rather is calling on U.S. President-elect Joe Biden to do more to work with global leaders. Uh, Dewa, 
perhaps, you know, I suppose it's one thing uh, calling on the U.S. president-elect to kind of go back to what was before, return to the status quo effectively. But uh, I also would like to believe that there have been some lessons that have come out of the last four years, even for institutions as critical as the UNHRC or even organizations such as the WHO. Absolutely, Kathy, and I, I think amongst the important lessons uh, that have uh, come up um, really include the need to have strong multilateral institutions that are not dependent uh, on a few uh, states. Uh, we have seen that there is need in terms of the geopolitics, global geopolitics, there is need to have a more equal and level playing field globally. And... Um, when the U.S. went rogue under Trump, I think one of the key uh, lessons was that, look, uh, it is not good to be dependent on a few states uh, to decide or to be the benchmark, really. Uh, and, and therefore, uh, it is for everyone, for every state, because when you talk of human rights being universal, being interdependent, being interrelated, that must actually be uh, reflected in practice. Uh, because to have a few countries being the key champions, when they go rock, everything uh, uh, would then be negatively affected. So uh, certainly, uh, these have been important lessons uh, for the UN Human Rights Council, uh, for the World Health Organization, uh, for the International Criminal Court. Uh, And one hopes that even as the US is getting back on board in terms of Uh, support for these institutions going forward uh, all the countries of the world uh, should step up to the plate in terms of their support their uh, their policies as well as their resources to ensure that these institutions are truly independent uh, financially and policy-wise And the the issue of resources becomes an important one in that um, once an institution is seen not to be able to survive on its own um, and relies so heavily on finances from elsewhere, then those that are biggest contributors to the survival of the organization also have the greatest say in in terms of the work and the policies of those organizations. And then it, it really brings us back to the conversation of um, the extent to which global human rights watch bodies seem to have an agenda that is primarily set by the West, even though these are institutions that are have been set up in the pursuit of multilateralism. Well, absolutely correct, Cathy. But I think what's, what's also important and the other lessons that uh, we should not miss um, and the message really is that uh, on the global platform, uh, you know, every state's voice should count and every country uh, should champion these universal values. And uh, as I have said before, Kathy, we saw this playing out with South Africa uh, and other states uh, challenging the U.S. government on the International Criminal Court uh, and speaking in defense of global justice issues. That was very important because it was really, uh, there had been a gap created when Donald Trump went for the ICC 
but other countries immediately stepped in. We also saw, uh, if you look at the COVID-19 vaccines, nationalism, and uh, the, the powerful states looking inwards uh, to focus more on themselves. And we had other countries, South Africa included, India also, you know, stepping up to reassess the importance of global values and access to the COVID-19 vaccine for the entire global population. So we are beginning to see that, you know, other voices are emerging where there is a gap and a void. And this is very important. And the message should be to encourage more voices, regardless of the size of the nations, uh, to begin to speak out, but also not only to speak out, but to put resources uh, into you know these institutions so that they are not dependent uh, on a few countries that would otherwise set the agenda. But the response to the U.S. government under Trump by some states, including South Africa, was quite commendable in, in the championing of global justice and human rights. All right. We've got some callers lined up who also want to be part of this conversation and contribute to it. Uh, Let me begin with Emmanuel. Emmanuel in Cape Town. Uh, Good morning. Good morning, Patrick, and good morning to your listeners and uh, morning to your guests. Sure. Go for it, Emmanuel. Thank you. Uh, The question I want to ask Mm. is why must we depend on all these foreign countries before we to to uh, that is why must we depend on them to take the pace for us uh, because america says this is wrong so we also agree that this is wrong human right is human right why is it that our leaders cannot stand up those people ruling america are they having seven heads they're not having seven heads they have one head just like the, the rulers in in africa and for goodness sake, why, why is it that look at what's happening in Zimbabwe and Uganda? What is South Africa saying about it? What is Nigeria saying about it? What is Kenya saying about it? What is Egypt saying about it? Why must America come and say something before we do what you're supposed to do? As you rightly pointed out, it's not like we, we don't have money to, you know, do these things or to, you know, to handle this situation. But the money... It's been misused and stolen, you know, taken away from the poor by the African leaders. Mm. And they end up putting us in a problem. So it tells me if we have to sit down and then be, 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 be being directed, uh, taking orders from uh, overseas country, then tomorrow the same way we come and say uh, uh, monopolist capital and all whatever you may call it. So this is, uh, this is, this is where this year I'm going to. Emmanuel, are you still there? Yeah, I'm there, I'm there. Okay. I, I think it's an important point that you're raising and it's part of what, you know, I've been pointing to in terms of the kind of emphasis and reliance that um, some of our institutions place on uh, place on the U.S., which is why they also come under such heavy critique sometimes for the work that they are doing. Uh, let me go to Sebastian, who's also out in Cape Town. Sebastian, good morning. Yes, good morning to you and your speaker, uh, what I want to address is um, an important uh, part of human rights uh, 
is that uh, is enforcement um, because it's all right, uh, all very well having human rights on paper, mm. but uh, in the, if if they are breached, uh, one actually needs enforcement. And unfortunately, in this country, because I'm bringing things down to a, a local, national level, mm. uh, in a particular sphere, I've, I've encountered a complete lack of enforcement. I've been pursuing on behalf of a disabled person alleged breaches of. Uh, rights by the city of Cape Town over more than a decade, but I've been pursuing it very actively over seven years with uh, basically everyone that I can find in this country. And there is a UN treaty on the rights of persons with disabilities, which South Africa has signed. But no, no one in this country uh, of the relevant organizations seems actually prepared to actually <coughs> enforce this uh, uh, treaty which South Africa has signed. Uh, the Human Rights Commission just dumped a, a whole case on the public protector, although they should have kept it. I'm talking about the Western Cape Human Rights Commission. Public protector did nothing with it with six years. Did go back to the Human Rights Commission or, uh, when some lawyer, when a senior lawyer there said we should actually take it back. But then eventually it was blocked by the by the person who originally dumped it at the Human Rights in in uh, in the Western Cape. And, and um, any mention of the UN treaty has just been ignored as if it has, doesn't exist and um, it hasn't been raised in correspondence. They just totally ignore it. So on paper, we have a treaty and we've signed it and we're obligated to um, comply with its requirements. But in practice, there's, there's absolutely no uh, will to enforcement, it would seem. And I've gone to the national head of the Human Rights Commission who actually didn't reply to correspondence. Um, so, you know, this is the situation in our country. It's, it's, it's disgraceful. I hear you loud and clear, Sebastian, and I'm going to ask our guest also uh, to respond to part of the reflections that have been shared by our callers today. Before we do that, though, we'll we'll take a quick break. Donald in Rustenburg, uh, I'll be back with you. We'll also just take some of the comments that uh, you're sending on the WhatsApp line. Of course, you can still get some voice notes through the number to use 0614-104-107. SAFM values your views. Be an active citizen. You're live on The Talking Point and this hour we're talking about the World Report 2021 uh, that has been put together by Human Rights Watch and calling on uh, the incoming U.S. president to really return to multilateralism and of course some interesting issues that we've been uh, bringing up over the last half hour with Dewa Mavinga who is the Human Rights Watch, who is Human Rights Watch's rather Southern Africa uh, director and Dewa I believe that some, some of the issues that have been raised by our listeners are, are really quite um, quite important. Absolutely, Kathy. And what is important uh, is, uh, as Emmanuel in Kepan said, is to begin to strengthen institutions globally in different states uh, on all continents. Uh, in Africa, for example, we have the uh, African Commission on Human and People's Rights. We have the African mm-hmm. Union. We have uh, SADC. Uh, but if you look at the budgets, you know, the funding of SADC is not, it's not even in the main uh, by the countries in SADC. Uh, the African Union is supported externally. So there is need uh, for these uh, countries in Africa to support their own institutions. Uh, the same goes to uh, for what Sebastian is raising about, you know, domestic institutions, because it's about implementation, yes. And we need 
to strengthen and to have robust institutions that can uh, articulate and defend human rights. Because if we don't have that, Mm. then it's basically pointless to have, you know, good uh, results in paper, but that are not implemented. So we need to have uh, a strong and viable and vibrant uh, South African Human Rights Commission that is there in all provinces, well-resourced and independent. The Public Protector's Office and other Chapter 9 institutions, you know, these are very important uh, and we need to continue to support them uh, so that uh, at some point there will be no dependency uh, on the, the rich and powerful. I mean, I mean the, it's a reality of uh, global geopolitics that there are some uh, with more economic and political muscle than others. Uh, the same goes on the African continent, for example. South Africa and, and Nigeria and they've got more say, they've got more clout, more economic power. But eventually we need to get to a level playing field where every voice matters and where everyone from every corner articulates and champions human rights. But at the moment, we are not there yet. And this is why we are saying that even for the U.S., it's important to have multilateralism where all the countries come together uh, in this space governed by principles of equality and sovereignty and respect for human rights. All right. Let me quickly go to Colin in Cape Town. Colin, good morning. Good morning, Cathy. Good morning to your guest. Uh, Emmanuel, actually, he's from Cape Town, but uh, I'm sure we're far apart. I'm also from Cape Town. He took a word out of my mouth. You know, Cathy and your guest, uh, you don't need millions to mm. show respect mm. and humanity and and treat your citizens the way they should be treated. Mm. In other words, human rights should be a global uh, get-together. Pressure should be put onto the WHO and the United Nations by all countries, not only USA. Mm. USA contributed $450 billion to uh, WHO and China $40 billion. That is what Donald Trump said. But the fact remains is, how's uh, the human rights in China, North Korea, and Russia, and things like that? The world should get together. Africa has got, I think, the, the, biggest, the biggest problem with uh, human rights. Because the leaders, you take even South Africa, our own leaders, they are doing exactly what they shouldn't be doing against their own citizens' human rights. They are stealing from the poor. And that human rights, you don't talk about those things. Now they want America to, uh, to help them. You don't need billions and billions to, to get together, stand together, all of Africa, put pressure on WHO. The WHO knew uh, a year ago about the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. As Donald Trump records only in March. They declared it all, uh, the end of March. But they knew three months before time. Why wasn't China wrapped over the knuckles by the WHO and United Nations? You see, things like that. The countries should get together and pressurize WHO and the United Nations. Don't leave it to Donald Trump or Britain because they've got their own problems. They, they are putting in millions every year into South Africa for, uh, for, for AIDS and things like that. They're contributing all over the world. One of these days, someone's going to crack in America. 
and I see it now. He's already had 74 million uh, uh, voters. What's going to happen next week? We don't know in America. All it's right. a ticking time bomb. Mm, mm. Africa must sort their own human rights out. Get rid of the 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 the, the cronies that are stealing and genocide and things like that. Absolutely, Colin. Thanks Thanks for that call. Uh, Adewa, let me bring you back in here. And, and of course, I, I suppose the purpose is not really to downplay the role that the U.S. has uh, in terms of its influence globally. But I think that there also needs to be the opportunity that other leaders take up and rise to the occasion. And it does begin with simple things, right? Like uh, we're seeing violence in Uganda today as that country holds its election. We haven't heard from the African Union. We haven't heard from our own president about, um, you know, some of the oppression and the violence that is taking place as this election goes ahead. Absolutely, Cathy, and I agree with you uh, fully and um, uh, with, with, with Colin in, in, in Cape Town because uh, there will be gaps, you know, there will be, you know, there is a vacuum. The are abuses in Uganda, you know, people being killed, you know, the, the election campaigns are excessively violent. But, you know, Africa is silent. Africa is talking about silencing the guns, but they are not speaking on issues that matter. Uh, Sadak is silent. So someone will have to speak out where there are abuses and, you know, the media is exposing them. So what is important is uh, to shift away from uh, from the US, from the UK, from the EU, yes. But we need to have local voices, to have regional voices and action uh, in defense and in championing uh, human rights. We need President Ramaphosa to be an equivocal uh, and speak out and champion human rights in, in, in within the African Union. If that's not happening, someone out there will have to speak out. So certainly uh, we have a long way to go, but it's, it's very important uh, that we believe to, because these are small steps uh, that can be made, but that are significant to say Africa is speaking for itself okay. and also putting resources there. All right, Dewa Mavinga is uh, with Human Rights Watch. Thanks for your time, Dewa. It's also just gone 11 o'clock. Nandika Biukas has your latest news update.